This is Theology for the Rest of Us with your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm Kenny Ortiz. This is another edition of the Theology for the Rest of Us podcast. I am recording from the great metropolis of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This is episode number 278. And in this episode, I'm going to be giving you more thoughts and insights on the David Platt, Donald Trump prayer situation. Uh, I covered this in episode 277, the previous episode, and uh, this is going to be a sequel to that episode uh, of sorts. Hey, before I get to the content, quick reminder about the importance of ratings and reviews. If you love the podcast, if it's been helpful, please leave a great rating. Those are really, really helpful to the show. If you don't love the show, uh, then don't worry about it. You don't have to leave a rating. <laughs> uh, also, a reminder, uh, my website, theologyfortherestofus.com. Feel free to hit that up, theologyfortherestofus.com. All right, let's get to the topic at hand. As I mentioned a moment ago in episode 277, I talked about the situation where David Platt called President Trump up to the stage to pray for him. I covered this quite a bit in episode 277, so go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it. Basically, I said that I did not have an issue or any problem with David Platt doing what he did, mainly because I thought David Platt is the kind of man who has a track record of being consistent, of being sober-minded, of having good objectivity, of not being partisan. Um, And I thought that he really is the kind of man who has earned the benefit of the doubt. He's the the guy that I think um, should be given some latitude. And I still stand by that. I I don't think he did anything wrong. So I, I stand by my comments in episode 277. And I also think, as I said in episode 277, um, and I want to reiterate, I don't think David Platt's public prayer for Donald Trump should automatically be construed as an endorsement for President Trump. I don't think we should assume that that's the case. I think that's unfair or or an unfair uh, assumption. Um, I do think there are some pastors out there that have prayed publicly for certain political leaders and have publicly associated themselves with political leaders, and that they've done so in a manner that clearly is very partisan, and therefore I tend to not give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to assume uh, that they are being objective because they have a track record of being overly subjective and partisan, Uh, but I don't think David Platt at all falls in that category. So again, I think he should be given some latitude. Uh, Certainly there are people who disagree with me on that, um, but I I stand by that. Now, there's been a lot of backlash at David Platt for for doing what he did, but I will say I think some of it, quite frankly, is absurd and some of it is irrational. I think, and the reason why I say that is this, is because I think there are some people, they just want to find any reason to attack President Trump and anything President Trump does is negative and bad in their mind and they're not being objective by any means. So they're always going to have uh, you know, outrage and irrational anger, no matter what. And I think there are some people that feel the same way toward toward Christians and evangelicals in particular. Just anything an evangelical Christian or an evangelical pastor does is going to be something they're going to attack, no matter what it was. So I, I'm not concerned about that group of people, and I I already kind of addressed them in episode 277. Who I am concerned about are people who have real angst and frustration and maybe even trauma 
that that maybe are frustrated with David Platt's actions, those people, I think, um, have uh, have reasons to be frustrated that I think are far more rational. That's the group I'm I'm concerned about. Um, how did I get here? Well, like I said, I've had several conversations with people, and whenever I brought up the idea of discussing this, and I asked the question, "Hey, do you, would you think you think David Platt was was right for what he did and how he did it?" And a lot of the responses are, well, of course he was right. You know, if I ask the question, was David Platt wrong to pray for President Trump publicly, that the response frequently is, no, of course not. Why would you ever think it was wrong? Like, like the idea is so crazy that like the response I'm getting is, why would you even ask that? Like the fact that that's even being brought up is so absurd, is so ridiculous. And because I'm getting that kind of response from people, it leads me to realize that there's people that are not realizing that there's actually some merit to the frustration that some people have. Now, again, I, I don't have a problem with David with what David Platt did. I don't have an issue with it. I don't think he was wrong in what he did. But I also understand why someone else might have an issue with it. So this led me to do a little bit of a social experiment. So I posted this on Facebook. I posted this question. Was David Platt wrong to pray for Trump? And I told myself, that I was not going to engage in any comments no matter what. Okay, so literally within a very short period of time, I got nearly 70 comments. And most people were saying something like, no, of course not. It wasn't wrong for him to pray or some variation like that. Uh, I even got some comments that were very condescending. These are friends of mine, right? This is not like Twitter where I've got 16,000 followers, mostly strangers I've never met in real life. Like, these are my Facebook friends. Um, so pretty, it was pretty interesting. Um, some of the responses were pretty fierce. There were a couple of them that I actually deleted because they were just inappropriate and out of line. And, and I had a couple people that say, is this a joke, Kenny? Like, what kind of joke? This is a joke question? Are you even serious? Like it was so outlandish in their minds that anyone would even ask this. And it led me to believe, or it led me to realize there's a bunch of my friends that have no idea that there are people with rational reasons to be frustrated in these sorts of moments, which then led me to believe that they probably don't realize that even in their own churches, there are people dealing with some things. And if they don't realize it, they probably can't help be a solution. They can't help bring healing or reconciliation. They can't be sensitive to something they're not aware of. And it led me to believe ultimately that there's probably lots and lots of people in our churches that have no idea the amount of trauma that some people are dealing with and the baggage they're carrying into our Sunday morning services and how some of that is attached to the current political climate. One of the comments that was posted, one of the few comments that was basically saying, hey, I mean, let me give you a different perspective, came from a friend of mine who attends my church, her name is Sarah, and she posted these words. She said, I'm going to be the odd woman out here. I think Platt was being faithful and given the circumstances. However, I do think his apology and clarification was humble and necessary considering the optics. People need to understand that this situation was sprung on him with no warning. He didn't have time to consider if bringing him on stage would be best. We must acknowledge that at very least, Trump gives cover to racist, sexist, xenophobic people, and that's being generous. His presidency is traumatic for so many of our brothers and sisters. The church continually tells people of color to get over it, and then we wonder why our worship services are still segregated. 
We can be unwaveringly committed to the scripture while also seeking to understand and consider another person's pain and experience. Let's not, let's not erect stumbling blocks that are not the gospel. I think my friend Sarah here points out some, some pretty key thoughts that I don't want us to miss. She alluded to David Platt's apology and clarification statements. Um, when I recorded episode 277, I had not yet read David Platt's follow-up comments. So he did give a, a statement um, either the day after or a few days after uh, the, the Sunday morning prayer. One of the things that my friend Sarah mentioned that I thought was interesting was she said that this sort of comment from David Platt to bring some clarity after the fact was necessary because of the optics. Basically, what she's alluding to is the fact that when you see David Platt on the stage next to Donald Trump, it would be easy to assume that, that David Platt endorses Donald Trump in every way. It would be easy to sort of feel like David Platt's kind of in Donald Trump's corner, supporting everything on the same page in every way. And that's not necessarily something we want. So whenever we put ourselves in a situation where the optics might give a false message, it is helpful for us to come back and clarify. Now, as I've said already in this episode, as I said in episode 277, and as I will say again, probably multiple times in this episode, is that I don't think it was fair for people to see Donald Trump on the stage with David Platt and therefore assume that David Platt endorses everything Donald Trump stands for. However, that is an assumption that is happening. Whether it's fair or not, it's the reality Therefore, it is probably helpful for David Platt to make those sorts of comments after the fact. I wish we lived in a world where it was not necessary, but as Sarah said, because of the optics, it does feel necessary to some extent. I'm going to read to you David Platt's words in that statement. Um, Sarah called this an apology. I don't think I would agree with that. I don't think that this was an actual apology per se. But, but there's, it is very clear that David Platt is seeking to bring some clarity to some extent, and I think this is helpful to hear from him. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we didn't see coming, and we're faced with a decision in a moment when we don't have the liberty of deliberation. So we do our best to glorify God. I find myself in one of those situations. My aim was in no way to endorse the president, his policies, or his party, but to obey God's commands to pray for our president and our leaders to govern in the way the passage portrays. I know that some within our church, for a variety of valid reasons, are hurt that I made this decision. This weighs heavy on my heart. I love every member of this church, and I only want to lead us with God's word in a way that transcends political party and position heals hurts of racial division and injustice, and honors every man and woman made in the image of God. When I read these words from David Platt, it is very pastoral. This is a man who is deeply concerned about the, the hurts and perceptions and trauma of the people in his congregation. He doesn't say, oh, you just need to get over it. He doesn't say, this is not a big deal. He doesn't do anything to lead you to believe that he is not genuinely concerned for the people in his congregation. Regardless of his own political opinions, he is wanting to transcend politics and policy. Friends, this is how we ought to approach the people in our churches and those around us. This is what the heart of a pastor looks like. And when I read David Platt's words, quite frankly, I think it backs up everything I said about him um, in episode 277. I, I don't think he was seeking to endorse President Trump. 
um, or President Trump's policies or the agenda of the Trump administration uh, or or the Republican Party. Again, I don't think that should have been assumed anyway. Praying for him should not have been should that should not have been an assumption just because he prayed for him. But it was valuable for for David to come out and say that. I think it's important for everyone to to remember this truth. This is the reality that in the minds of some people in the United States today, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, is a symbol for all that's wrong in America. Now, you may think that's completely wrong. You may think that's completely unfair reputation or a wrong assessment. Or you may be listening to this thinking that's totally fair and a totally right assessment. That's not my point. I'm not here to litigate whether or not President Trump's reputation is fair. I'm not here to determine whether or not his policies are righteous or not. What I am here to say in this episode, I know for sure there are people that think Donald Trump is a bad force in American politics and in American culture. And regardless of what you think of Donald Trump, even if you love him, you think he's great, you have to acknowledge that there are people that disagree with you and they feel very different. And it's not okay for you to just dismiss that. President Trump has become a very controversial figure, okay? And there's a lot of people asserting that they've been hurt by the pre- by President Trump or his administration or his policies. There are even more that I think that are claiming that they have been hurt and emotionally damaged by his antics and rhetoric and his his tweets. Right? There's a lot of people saying these kinds of things about Donald Trump. Even if you love him, even if he hasn't hurt you, you have to acknowledge that there are people out there feeling this way. And you can't just say, oh, they're a bunch of snowflakes. Just get over it. They're just, they're just letting themselves be unnecessarily triggered. Like That's not a Christ-honoring pastoral approach. And what I think what my, my friend Sarah was, was pointing out here is that there are people in our churches that view the Trump administration as negative. Even if you think it's positive, you have to acknowledge that. There are some people who see Donald Trump and his administration as promoting racism and hatred in America. There are some people that see President Trump as a person who is protecting racism, or at minimum, that he is a leader that is making it easier for racism to exist in America. Now again, even if these claims are 100% unfair and inaccurate, that's not my goal to, to litigate here in this podcast. Even if those things are right or wrong, regardless, I think it's important to note what my friend Sarah was mentioning on Facebook. And I think it's the exact same thing that David Platt was alluding to in his comments after the fact. He's making the point that some people have been hurt by the, pre, by the, by the, by the Trump administration. And I think David Platt was making the point that, that we need to be sensitive to that. We should not just say, get over it, and we shouldn't assume it's no big deal. And I do think there are many white evangelical Christian leaders that have not been sensitive enough, that have said some things that come across like they are telling black people, hey, it's no big deal. Listen, I know this sounds, you know, uh, offensive and unnecessary, or like I'm a, you know, okay, Kenny's gone liberal. Listen, just hear me out. The bottom line, there's people in your church whether you realize it or not, that are feeling certain things. They're feeling and experiencing trauma from past experiences. And there are moments where they are reminded of that trauma. People are walking into our churches with lots of distrust 
for other people and for leaders because of past hurts. And oftentimes, we are triggered. Things do happen that remind us of those things. And it's completely unintentional. It's subconscious so frequently, right? And sometimes we come into moments with bitterness and baggage and, and, the, and the effects of trauma. And there are moments that we are reminded of that. And there are all sorts of things that can, that can cause this. And instantly what happens is all those negative sentiments come flooding back in. And we don't know what to do with it. We, we feel angst. We feel anxiety. So regardless of the cause or the root, it is important for us to know that there are people in our churches that have very real pains, real angst, real anxieties, real frustrations. And we ought to seek to be pastoral and gracious and gentle. Even if we fiercely disagree with them on politics, even if we think they're being irrational, even if we think their judgment or their assessment of the president is way off, you still have an obligation to be kind to be understanding. Let me speak especially to my white friends. I think it's essential for you to recognize that there are people of color, black people, minorities, Hispanics, in your congregation that have experienced legitimate traumatic experiences. For many of them, they've been legitimate victims of racism or other forms of, of oppression. They have felt ostracized or disenfranchised. This is difficult to manage, and there are lingering effects. So whenever there is a symbol or a person that reminds them of that trauma, it can be very overwhelming in a negative way. It's inappropriate for you to blow it off as if it's no big deal. When I asked the question, was it wrong for David Platt to pray for President Trump publicly? The response from virtually all of my white friends was, of course not. Of course it wasn't wrong. What a silly question. Why would you even bring that up? I think a more appropriate response, maybe a better response would have been, huh, I don't think it's wrong. But the fact that Kenny is asking it or that others are asking it leads me to believe that maybe someone else thinks it's wrong. Huh. Right. Rather than responding and, rea and overreacting with with this, of course not sort of attitude, maybe a more appropriate response would, would be to pause and ask, ask yourself, huh, why would people feel this way? And maybe, maybe we pause to seek to understand instead of reacting too quickly. I think this is why the Bible in the book of James tells us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I think... I think what this situation has taught me, there's a lot of people reacting too quickly and not seeking to understand the perspective and trauma and baggage of other people. Again, I want to say very clearly, as I said in episode 277, I don't have a problem with how David Platt handled that situation that day. I also understand legitimately why there might be some people that would say, hey, David Platt, I don't think you should have done that. And I understand why David Platt felt the need to bring some clarity in his, his day after comments. I understand why there may be some people who feel angry about this. And instead of responding to them with anger or judgment or assumptions, let's seek to understand. Let's ask questions. Let's seek to understand. Let's learn because they may have a perspective that'll be helpful to us. And if we listen well, we just might be agents of change. We might be helpful to others 
as they receive the healing from the Holy Spirit that they need. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Glad to have you. If you want me to bring clarity to anything I've said, feel free to shoot me an email. Or if you disagree with me, if you think I'm, uh, I've gone nuts or I've gone too liberal, I'd love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email. The best address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. Thank you.